in Parshish Mishpatim, we have a very hard to uh, read paragraph that discusses the mistreatment of an orphan or a widow. Chapter 22, sentences 20 through 23, talk about the prohibition to make fun or to denigrate a stranger or to abuse an orphan and a widow. But the Torah concludes that paragraph by saying, anyone who does that kind of abuse or mistreatment and the orphan or the widow scream out to Hashem, Hashem will surely listen to that scream and Hashem's anger will be kindled. The direct quote is, my anger will be kindled and I will kill you with a sword and your wives will be widows and your children will be orphans, which is obviously horrific. Now, the simple question that needs to be asked is that nowhere do we find that abusing someone verbally, which is what it's talking about, or let's say even mistreating them financially, or even hitting them, we don't find that to really be a capital crime in general. It's obviously the wrong thing to do, but over here the Torah is saying very straight out, Hashem is going to kill that person, and the children will be orphans, the wives will be widows. It's very, very, very harsh. There's a lot more to be said about this paragraph. In the past, I've given long shiurim on it, but I just want to start, you know, just to have one very important takeaway from this paragraph. First of all, in, besides answering that question, we should know that it's actually much broader than it sounds. Because even though it's an argument, in halacha, in Jewish law, we rule that this kind of mistreatment and the punishment for this mistreatment doesn't only apply to a stranger, an orphan, or a widow. It applies to any person. But the Torah is just speaking about common occurrences, the things, uh, the way they normally happen. Because it's more common for a person to take advantage or mistreat an orphan or a widow than, or a stranger, right, than the regular citizen. But really it applies to all people. So what I'd like to suggest is that one of the most painful and terrible damages that we can inflict on another human being is to treat them according to their handicap or according to their insecurity. Because when we emphasize another person's deficiency, they become much more entrenched and convinced that their handicap is actually a limitation rather than a challenge to overcome. It's as though if a person treats an orphan or a widow in a dis that are disadvantaged in a way that literally, let's say, takes advantage of them and therefore causes them financial loss. What happens is that they become convinced that that is their reality. And in their own mind, they don't think of themselves as capable as overcoming their deficiency. That locks a person into their uh, negative state of being. And the Torah says that the truth is that from Shemaim, from heaven, there's a tremendous punishment that comes with that. Because if we use the example of the orphan or the widow, what they're really suffering from is the loss of a parent or of a spouse. And when we concretize that loss of a person for them, it's as though we've actually killed that 
spouse or that parent because we're making the negative effect that is the result of their loss permanent in the psyche, in the psychology of the person that was left behind. And that is a terrible, terrible sin. Now, first of all, you know, God willing, we don't do that. And second of all, what's also extremely interesting about the way the Torah says it is that in order for the, let's say, God forbid, a person uh, insults an orphan. In order for this punishment to actually come true, the orphan needs to feel that pain and scream out to Hashem in pain because he's suffering from that, that, uh, that insult. Hopefully that doesn't happen. And moreover, hopefully if we did something like that, God forbid, we can ameliorate that pain so that he doesn't feel the need to call out that way. But what's so interesting about the way the Torah phrases it is that the punishment really only comes not for doing the crime, but for the victim feeling the crime and calling out to Hashem in that pain. So which also teaches us, of course, about the way that Hashem responds to victims and the way that Hashem responds when mistreatments are done. Now, on the flip side, God willing, this is exactly what the enemies who inflicted all the pain and suffering of October 7th or any time against Jews in our history. Yeah, God willing, that is what they should experience. But we do need to call out to Hashem in our pain. And I don't know that we're all doing that enough. We have been victimized. We should call out in the pain of the people that have suffered. At the beginning of this call, um, Daniel Toledano shared with us some of his uh, amazing experience that he recently had in Israel and visiting the various kibbutzim and listening to the victims and the special forces soldiers. The more that we feel the pain and the more we then dive into Hashem that the pain is terrible, the more that Hashem does respond in kind. And I think we really should take advantage of that. Then for our own behaviors, we have to really be supremely careful and we really have to ask ourselves, especially when we're dealing with disadvantaged people, again, let's remember, it's not only the orphan or the widow, it could be anybody suffering from a relationship issue, a financial issue, whatever's a health issue, whatever's happening in their lives, we have to approach people with extreme sensitivity and remember the tremendous effect that we can have on another person's mental state and the way that we might negatively impact them and really be exceedingly careful in how we talk to them. And we need to ask ourselves, are we really communicating well and appropriately what we are trying to say to them? I think it's an easy thing to overlook. And it's very important to know that the Torah is extremely explicit about it. And it could be, God forbid, a huge reason for an entire family mm -hmm. to suffer tremendously. So we really have to be extremely, extremely careful in our interpersonal communications with people, but especially for those that are disadvantaged. Any questions or comments? Yes, it's, um, for me, it's very similar to uh, another very critical scene, which is public embarrassment. When you have a, a person that is uh, embarrassed in front of uh, many people, it's, uh, it's a kind of the same process because the, the person is, um, highlighting the weakness of another person in front of everybody to take advantage of it, to look like better in front of uh, the other people. And um, I looked somewhere that, I don't remember where it was, a recent survey that in America, 
they did a survey and one of the situations that people are the most afraid of in, the, in their interaction with other people is public embarrassment. They, this is their nightmare. Being embarrassed in front of everybody is something that is really a nightmare for some people. Not only from, a, I mean, again, the Torah is a really a reference because it always has uh, uh, say and phases that uh, you know public embarrassment is a very very hard uh, scene. I mean, it's a very very bad scene, and I think this is one of the scene when uh, uh, Rabbi, you told me tell me if I'm wrong, but this is a a very high sentence for this kind of scenes because uh, I don't remember what is it exactly, but it's a carrot or or something else, but uh, it's a very high uh, high level. It's but anyone who embarrasses his friend in public goes down to. Gehinam to hell and doesn't get out. Yeah, that's yeah, and he's losing his share. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, over here, it's even not in public, which is also really scary. But you're right that in public, it's uh, it definitely causes a person to feel like they are defined and they can't get out of that kind of uh, mindset. Thank yeah, they are, they are defined through their weakness. I mean, everybody has weaknesses. It's it's obvious, but I mean, it's like you know, someone is highlighting this weakness, taking advantage, of, like you said, for the orphan in the window, and uh, it's it's uh, it's really the bad way to do it. Right, it sure. becomes the it becomes part of the definition instead of a challenge for them to overcome. Yeah, exactly. Yes, Joseph. I think we should, how, actually the question is, how do we teach this lesson to TikTok and Facebook and all the other media? But somebody is writing the algorithm exactly on this weakness, right? They, they're designing the whole system to, to exacerbate this. this yeah, that, that's, uh, uh, look, how, how do you uh, distill this message? It's a very good question, but I think what you're hitting on is that, um, a lot of the breakdowns in society are built on the idea that people are what they are and they cannot change. And, um, and so the idea that we kind of need to promote is uh, the development that happens in a human being, the processing that happens, the way that a person can evolve and change, especially based on, you know, free choice. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's enough, but uh, we have to be promoting those kinds of concepts, not just, painting people, you know, into a corner because of something they said or did. But we need to, we need to pro, uh, propagate this at scale. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes, Ethan. So I'll add just a, a little bit here. I remember uh, we've had a, a bit of an objective of, of also tying this back to leadership. Um, and what really highlights Sion's comments and, and Joseph's comments really highlights me. This is I think the third or fourth time that we've learned something in in being careful with how our actions define the people on the opposite side of our actions. I think we, we've learned it here to Sion's point. We've learned it with public embarrassment. We've learned it with Sadaka and lending and business dealings that that it should be done in a proper way so that people hold on to their um, dignity, hold on to their dignity. So that that we, through our actions, have a tremendous impact on the way people perceive themselves and how they define themselves. And I think you summed it up so well, which is ultimately, ultimately, we need to be careful that individuals always feel that they have the ability to change and the ability to grow and the ability 
to have an impact and control over their own uh, outcomes and, and they're able to make uh, the choices um, that that they make. In fact, in the in the Pirkei Avos today, one of the lessons further further in was this premise, or, or at the very beginning that we just learned, is a root of that premise of the path you choose is the fact that there is free choice through through as a, as a main tenant. I think that's one of the thirteen principles of faith, if I remember correctly. Um, Definitely reward and punishment, which um, yeah, but. Or we learned that with Aria Kaplan, it's been this common yeah. theme. And I think as leaders, it's something to be extra cautious yeah. of because we have an impact on so many more than maybe the, the everyday citizen does, though everyone has an impact. As leaders, to your point, we're looked to um, both, both communally and within our organizations that this is something that we need to be careful with, how we speak to people, how we treat people, and making sure that they're always feeling that they can uplift themselves. Right. Yeah, that that's that's the point. That's a great point. Like like when we have a conversation with a, a person in our our team, right, that they're walking away feeling whatever the issue is, that they're not defined by whatever the problem might be. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That's a that's a very excellent point. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you everyone. Have a great day all. Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Rabbi.